Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Rob Harrington and John Bowman. John, Rob, and I had opportunity to see the John Wall tournament here in Raleigh in person. I was there the first day, as was John. Rob, you were there the last two days. John, I'm going to start with you first, and let's talk about Dayron Sharp a little bit. And I'll go ahead and get it out of the way. Uh, I didn't think he was as good as he could have been the first day against um, what I said was a lesser team, basically because they had nobody near the size of Sharp. That being said, he still put up good numbers, and he still looked um, pretty good and obviously the best player on the court. Your thoughts on what you saw the first day, and we'll dig a little deeper because Rob was there later in the tournament. Yeah, I think, first of all, it's a really cool environment at the John Wall Invitational. It was actually my first time ever going to the tournament, so it was cool for me to see the whole setup, and it's a really well-run tournament. So I was excited to get to see uh, Sharp play in that first game. I was there on Wednesday. I think the first thing that stood out to me is how he just towered over everyone. He towered over everyone on his own team and then also on the other team as well. So he had a huge advantage with some of his size right off the bat. And I sort of agree that he did not use that size as well as his advantage. I think that one thing that's important to note with Sharp is that every single game he's going against guys who are giving him his best shot and they're being physical with him right off the bat. So I imagine from his perspective, that's got to be frustrating to come in and have every game be so physical. But I think especially on Wednesday, he didn't match that physicality. And then I think as the tournament might have gone on, it sounded like he became more physical and sort of rose to that level as the tournament went along. You also had a chance, John, to see Isaiah Todd that first day. Um, I thought he's very skilled. Um, He's a guard in a 6'11 body, which was – that part of it impressed me. He's another guy, though, that doesn't use his size – your thoughts on what you saw from him that first day as well? Yeah, Todd is a very interesting player because he's another guy who's the toss guy on the court, but he really uh, wanted to bring the ball up as much as he could. So he was sort of playing as a guard and with a, a kind of a loose dribble. So there were some turnovers there. And his favorite type of shot was sort of a fadeaway jumper or sort of living around the three-point line which he made. He made a lot of those shots, but he's sort of an interesting player to watch for that reason. He's sort of a big man who likes to spend a lot of time outside the paint. But I was impressed with him. He has a lot of skills. He's a great jumper. And his shooting stroke actually looks pretty good. I'd say his shooting stroke is pretty far ahead of Sharp's uh, from what I saw on Wednesday. So I was impressed with Todd's play. He wasn't able to do much in terms of helping his teammates, uh, his team, is a little bit less talented than some of the teams that were at the tournament as well, so that's important to note. But uh, Todd definitely has some work to do in terms of getting more of his teammates involved, but in terms of creating opportunities for himself, I was definitely really impressed, and he has a lot of physical tools as well. Let me bring, me, bring in Rob. Rob, you were there the last couple of days of the tournament. Let me ask you a general question about uh, bigs in high school because – I had the opportunity to sit with the parents of a high major recruit. Um, He was not playing in the tournament, 6'11 kid from North Carolina going out of state. And I made the comment to them that I thought Sharp should do more with his height. And his response, the father's response to me was, 
um, is tough when you're the tallest guy. You much rather play against guys your height because then those guys will actually try to play defense rather than pushing and trying to root you out. And, you know, they smaller guys against bigger guys tend to get uh, more go, you know, the rest let more go on low underneath against uh, to the detriment of the tallest guy. And I thought Sharp got caught up in that on Wednesday. Rob, your thoughts overall on being the tallest guy out there, being the biggest guy out there and having to deal, what have you seen, you know, how do you compare guys or how do you analyze guys when they're going against uh, opponents oftentimes much, much smaller? Well, Tommy, you've hit on a fundamental truth, which is that historically this has been true that big guys are just very difficult to evaluate in a high school setting. I mean, high school is in their high school teams. There are exceptions to that. You know, for example, Oak Hill or the old Mount Zion teams, for example, but that's really the value of travel basketball. It, it gives them an opportunity to play against opponents who are comparable to what they will see later in terms of size and skill level, much better to evaluate big guys against other big guys. I completely agree with that because you need to see them in sort of a natural environment, how they'll actually be able to play. Uh, there, there is some belief now that this is less of a concern because a lot of today's big guys aren't really playing like big guys. And that sort of dovetails into my next point, talking about Sharp and Todd specifically. You know, one thing to keep in mind, and we had this conversation during the week, is that uh, Sharp operates along the traditional development model in the sense that he plays like a big guy. The things that he does well, I think the areas where he's improved the most, have to do with big guy things like rebounding, like walling up defensively, uh, using the glass a little bit more inside to finish because he isn't really a straight-up leaper. On the other hand, Todd almost has skipped that step where historically you'd sort of start inside and build outside, like is what Sharp is sort of doing. Todd, on the other hand, is skipping that inside step and is focusing exclusively on the game that he you know, theoretically would play in the NBA. So for him, it should matter less that he's the tallest guy on the court because he isn't relying on that. Whereas for Sharp, I, I do think to the extent that you see some inconsistency. Now, the caveat here is I didn't see any of that because he played a fantastic game in the championship. But to the extent that you see inconsistency in high school, it's a very common phenomenon. John, one thing I thought on uh, Wednesday is that Sharp dealt with the approach that uh, the other team had with him a lot better than Todd did. And I think um, – Todd had a situation out on the floor where he pump faked into the kid's face and the kid didn't flinch. It reminded me of the Kobe thing, um, the, the meme that's out there. But that showed me a lot about Sharp himself and a little bit about Todd. And, of course, uh, later in the tournament, Todd has some issues um, with the opponents and it got a little chippy. But your thoughts on how Sharp dealt with it in that first game, John? Yeah, I think he did very well with sort of handling his environment. To sort of elaborate on that a little bit further, every time he was sort of in the paint, he was being pushed around a lot. And um, I think that that's definitely frustrating for him, but I think that's something that he's gotten used to a little bit, and he's only going to see more going forward. And that is something that also is going to prepare him by the time he gets to UNC and the ACC. No one's going to take it easy on him when he gets down in the paint. So I think he definitely did handle it well. Um, I think he handled it a little bit better uh, on the offensive end. On the defensive end, I would have liked to see, on Wednesday specifically, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from him, especially as a shot blocker, using some of that length um, and sort of matching the physicality. But then on the offensive end, 
he was able to use some of his skill set uh, to kind of make shots for still for himself. Rob, how much of that type, the, the attitude do college coaches, I know Roy Williams looks at it a lot, um, but from your experience, how much does that really matter, especially when you're talking about the elite guys or the, you know, the top 20 or top 30 guys now, because we can, you know, those guys are usually the ones that produce heavily in college on a consistent basis. How much of the attitude that they display on the high school floor matters to any coach, specifically Roy Williams? Generally speaking, everyone understands that these are teenagers. So if they're somewhat temperamental during a game and they pop off a little bit, most people aren't going to freak out about that, uh, including Roy Williams. They've had guys over the years you, you think, all right, well, this is behavior that he's not going to be able to get away with in college. As you said, it's certainly more important to Roy Williams than it is other coaches. There are certain things that I would say are red flags for me, just in terms of how I scout players. I think people who have negative interactions with their coach. If you if you see a player who does something that suggests he's not coachable, sometimes that sticks and doesn't go away. Whereas if they get into it with an opponent or a, a referee or something, th those are just things that happen. I, I remember uh, watching Marvin Williams in high school. Marvin Williams, of all people, his senior year, he signed. He got into a not a fist fight by any means. It really wasn't that physical. But, but a confrontation with an opponent at a, a big tournament in Florida and Roy Williams was there and you could sort of see him like wrinkling a crease on his forehead, but it wasn't a big deal. So by and large, I don't think it's a huge thing. Uh, I didn't see the Todd incident. It didn't sound like something that, again, I would flag as a major concern again, where you hear things or see things about a player having negative interactions with a coach or his teammates. That's a bigger deal. Indeed. And I, I think there's a fine line there where you want people to show some fire, especially if they're getting knocked around or, or whatever. But it's just interesting to see how the biggest kid on the court, you know, or the best player on the court is um, treated by others. And that conversation I had with uh, the kid's parents, he was like, my son doesn't even care about that. I mean, he gets, catches grief from um, across the board from opponents. He said, but on the floor – especially against bigger time opponents, it's more uh, not professional, but it's not personal. And uh, it's interesting to see, like you said, Rob, that they're teenagers. John Wednesday, let's talk about Carter Witt a little bit. And I'm not finished with Dayron Sharp, Rob, because I want you to you know, progress him out um, his senior year and then on to the college level. But I thought Leesville looked fantastic the first day, John. They didn't farewell against um, their next opponent but those kids it's hard to believe to me that they're my son's age which is 2021 your thoughts on their performance specifically Witt yeah so Carter Witt first of all sort of sets the stage he's a kid who does have some interest in school so he's not sort of a out of nowhere guy I think he has some interest from Virginia and a couple other schools he's a three-star prospect but it was very exciting to see him play. He's sort of a, a point guard, but a really good guard who controls everything, every aspect of the game. So he's very much in control, doesn't turn the ball over, is always making the right plays. And something his coach was talking about in the post game is that he puts up a lot of numbers in the box score, but even that doesn't 
fully capture all of his value. Carter Witt is definitely someone who sort of can't be contained. His value can't be contained just in a box score. So Carter Witt was good for Leesville. And then also they had this kid, Chase uh, Hackerim. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name, but number four for them was very good as well. So those two kids were exciting to watch because they were not scared of Todd or at the moment at all, but they really played well. So it was exciting to watch them. Rob, how much can you glean from a sophomore's game in high school, especially um, one that doesn't have the physical measurables that some of these guys do? That's always a difficult question. Uh, It comes up every class because you'll have some people who simply are ahead of the curve in terms of acumen or skill level. And sometimes physically, they just kind of level off. On the other hand, there is a temptation because of that to write them off early. It's like, oh, well, this guy doesn't have the, as you said, physical dimensions of some of the other players. So certainly he will be surpassed. But you can't assume that other people are going to catch a very skilled and a very heady player. Um, The guys who emerge on that basis, I think in today's game, actually are more promising than they were 10 years ago because athleticism overall has become a little less important in the modern game. And skill levels, importance, relatively speaking, has increased significantly. As for what specifically, I do think there are legitimate concerns about his his body type. You know, he'll he'll have to lean up some. I mean, he doesn't look like someone who would be a high major player just 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 how he's shaped. So I think ultimately he will be a system recruit. Whether that is a system recruit for a UVA or one step down from that, I think remains to be seen. But if you watched him hit a couple of the you know, body control runners in the lane, uh, Ben Sherman and I, who was there, of course, talked about that. Really impressive. And if he can hit those kinds of shots, he doesn't have to be the quickest guy on the court. I, I thought he held his own against the older players. I would be, I'd be very hesitant to write him off as an ACC-level talent. I think he would probably do better in a system that didn't emphasize tempo as much as Carolinas does. We'll see about that. For example, I don't think that he has the foot speed of a Bobby Frazier. And he was someone who, when he was recruited, people wondered, like, how does he fit at UNC? I, the the healthy pre-foot injury Bobby Frazier actually was pretty fast. Uh, but I, I do think what is one to watch for ACC level for sure. It was interesting to watch. And like John said, number four for them, they ran circles around Todd's Trinity team there, especially in the second half. I'm going to take a quick break, come back. We'll talk a little bit more in detail about Dayron Sharp and his performance later in the week at the John Wall. All right, Rob, uh, put up 11 or 14 rebounds, whichever folks want to say in that first game. But in the next two, he really exploded, really played well. Uh, Your thoughts on how he played deeper into the week and what you saw for him, maybe that either you weren't expecting or were expecting and were, were glad to see from him. His level of polish really surprises me because whether you are looking at a big guy as someone who plays more in the post as a traditional big guy or someone who likes to expand his game, usually they lag behind in terms of development perimeter players. In Sharp's case, he does not lag at all. I mean, he has a tremendous understanding of how to use his body. I know that he has had some foul troubles, you know, in other occasions in the past, but I was really impressed with his competitiveness. I mean, as a historical background, typically in these events, the local team frequently will have a star player and inevitably they will have a collision against the team with multiple high majors. We've seen this play out over and over again. 
typically the local team has gotten slaughtered. Um, and this time that didn't happen. They, they didn't win the championship game, but it was very competitive. And Sharp didn't try to overcompensate going against two high major, very, very good McDonald's level quality senior wing players. So ahead of him in class too. And he, he played within himself, maximizing the things that he does well. He took one very ill-advised three, but that's it. And that, that place stood out because it was surprising to see from him. I, I was very impressed by his defense, his defensive positioning, understanding how to wall up without fouling, uh, even when guys of that caliber, you know, opponents of that caliber were driving against him. He focused, he understood that he needed to dominate the backboards and he did that. He understood that he needed to be mindful that they were focusing on him defensively. He makes a lot of uh, just very sharp passes and great understanding of where his teammates are. In that sense, he reminds me some of Kennedy Meeks in terms of his court awareness. Uh, th- there are some other similarities too, and both being a little flat-footed, you know, not a, a real springy, explosive guy. He's a little bit more fluid than Meeks. He he doesn't have some of the weight issues that Meeks had at that age. I was very, very impressed. I will leave it to the national folks to talk about a ranking. It wouldn't surprise me uh, if he ends up getting in the five-star range. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't, if people are thinking more longer term and they want to say, okay, well, can you handle the ball? Can you shoot threes? He doesn't have any of that right now. But as a college prospect, I think he's almost ideal for North Carolina because you never know, but he does not strike me yet as a one-and-done and if they can get someone of that caliber to play two or even three years, that would be massively important to the Tar Heels, as we're seeing on the current team. That's a real empty spot right now. You went where I was going to go with my next question, and uh, I want to talk about the current team after our second break later in the show. But, you know, how he progresses, how does – how do you – you get a commitment from a guy early, and now he's just a junior in high school – what do you want to see, Rob, from him? Because there's been guys that have uh, been very good in the eighth and ninth grade and didn't get any better. Uh, what do you, and they ended up playing at Carolina. One, uh, one that I know of uh, back in the early 2000s was fantastic as a ninth grader, and I'm not sure he got a ton better. But how do you see Sharp developing his game over his next uh, year and a half of high school before he even gets to Carolina? I think he'll continue to work on his body. I think to the extent that he can add a little bit more foot speed and leaping ability, that would help. He's certainly not deficient because of his long arms in college. I think thinking long-term, of course, he'll need to, to branch out his skill level some too. i uh, probably hit more jump shots. The His jump shot right now has pretty limited range. Again, I think this is more of a longer-term con- concern for him individually rather than for the Tar Heels. But over the next year and a half, I would look for some expansion of his skill set, along with you know, further just shaping of his body. Like a lot of young big guys, you know, he's still just growing into his man shape, <laughs> so to speak. And he's already made a lot of strides that way. I think he'll continue to focus on that. I mean, one thing I really appreciate about trainers in today's era is they tend to understand what these what these guys need to look like. And I think that's something you'll see over the next year. I think he'll continue to uh, add to his repertoire offensively. This goes back to our the very beginning of the podcast about not getting tested by people his size. You can tell that he relies on just sort of being big and being long right now. What he needs, and when he encounters resistance, he doesn't have a hook shot yet, or at least he didn't show it this week. 
he needs a better left hand. You know, those are things that he can develop as he goes along, just like Carolina's big men you know, during the Roy Williams era, the previous ones. So I, I think that's something I'll be looking for into his college career. Of course, he'll continue to develop those things. But I think he's a full year ahead of where some of their recent big men recruits have been, maybe two years ahead. Good stuff there. I'm going to take a quick break, uh, come back. Let's talk about the current North Carolina team, of course, coming off the Davidson win and looking ahead to Harvard. We'll be right back. John, I'll start with you in this segment now. The current bunch of Tar Heels is 9-3. and three. A lot of angst, at least on the Inside Carolina message boards, about uh, who they are. And we've seen that they can be really good or they can struggle. One thing for certain is the schedule has been brutal. So I'm not sure um, if it's fair to have angst over where they are at this point, having three losses. But your take on what you've seen from the Tar Heels um, in the 2018 part of the 18-19 slate. Yeah, I think that the discussion has to start with the schedule. And that's something that the players were talking about yesterday after the game in some of the interviews. North Carolina has played a very difficult 2018 non-conference schedule. But the players themselves see that as all positive, and they're talking about how prepared they feel for the start of ACC play. They feel like they've been tested up and down. They've been tested on the road. They've been tested in neutral sites. So they feel that when the, by, by the time conference play starts, coming up here very soon, they're going to be kind of ahead of the curve, and they should see some benefits from that schedule in conference play. As far as the team's play, I think that the biggest storyline that I've seen is this team has shot the ball well, but it hasn't shot the ball extremely well yet. And I'm kind of curious to see that if they can sort of turn on that shooting in a more consistent way during conference play, or if it's going to be more hit and miss, because they've had some very good shooting games. I think they shot the ball very well against Gonzaga, and that was obviously one of the bigger wins they've had. But even Roy Williams was saying that they haven't had multiple lights out shooting games yet. So I'm interested to see if they can sort of get that shooting back on track in a more consistent way to help them win a lot of ACC games. Rob, John mentions the word consistent, and that is something I've thought a lot about watching this team play is there is inconsistent, even on the effort side of things, as any North Carolina team has been. Your thoughts on in that regard with this team? In terms of the consistency, I I, th I think the desire to do the right thing is there. I don't think this team lacks the heart of prior teams. I know people will sometimes see them not playing well and regard that as a character issue. I agree that the defensive intensity tends to be up and down, but I think part of that is they are physically challenged, and when they struggle and they don't have success, they start to lose confidence. I've thought at times they've looked like an underconfident defensive team, even in, even in the Gazaga game, for example, they weren't relying on the ability to get stops. You know, that was, that was the best win of the year. That was just a game where they were great offensively. I, I am not concerned about them offensively. I know they've had a lot of turnover issues. I think they'll get that stuff sorted out. I think Nasir Little will continue to improve and, and f incorporate, be incorporated into the offense. I thought the Davidson game was a very positive marker for him. Defensively, I just don't know. I think there's a legitimate question about how good this team can be defensively, at least playing the way that they play. You know, it's, they seem to have a, a big threshold problem that when they play an opponent like Davidson, they're able to disrupt them. But when they step up in competition, I mean, they've just got shredded at times. And they have to certainly address that issue if they're going to challenge for the conference title and do something in the postseason. 
John, what's the biggest issue on defense? If I were going to steal the question, I would say it's the inability of to keep people out of the lane. And that has been an issue for North Carolina for years. But uh, what do you think that biggest issue for this team defensively is? Yeah, I would agree that it's kind of stopping the ball and then looping right in with that is sort of communicating where to help from, who to help off of, and sort of all the communication issues that go along with that. So North Carolina has to do a better job of, first of all, keeping people out of the paint. And then there are times when that first line of the defense is broken in, and then North Carolina is kind of helping from the wrong spots, and that leads to open three-point looks for the other team. And those looks are only going to become more painful during ACC play when you have teams uh, that can take advantage of those looks for easy threes and make those threes. So I think that the communication issue, too, is something that is interesting because this is not, I wouldn't say it's an extremely young UNC team. UNC has senior leadership in Cam Johnson, Luke May, Kenny Williams. So I'd look to some of those leaders to continue to coach up the team in terms of getting their defenders in the right spots and sort of continuing to work on stopping the ball to prevent some of those defensive breakdowns. Rob, your thoughts on that same question. Uh, They do not have a rim protector. Uh, which means you've you got to keep guys out of the lane um, as much as possible. And it's been a struggle, and it's been a struggle across the board. It has been. This has been an interesting year to me because I feel like over the past 10 to 15 years, I mean, at least going back farther than that, people fans will say, well, they give up too many open three-point shots by design. This year, I don't think that is by design at all. I think they are trying to be more attentive to shooters, as you mentioned, All of the other problems are a symptom of the central one, which is they just don't do well with dribble penetration, specifically when there's a high screen involved. And more and more teams are now bringing out, they're playing that kind of offense and bringing out big guys. And that has exposed uh, not only the person, whoever's playing center, but if in the bigger lineup, sometimes that hurts the power forward too. I mean, the the Brooks May front court defensively is okay, uh, but that, but that's, at their best so far. And when you start digging into the bench, it gets worse from there. So I think that's the number one problem to overcome is somehow some way to take people out of you know their first option. I mean, the Michigan game was the most glaring example of that, where they were scoring out of their first option. You know, that's a team that doesn't even want to play fast, but they were having some quick possessions because they were getting whatever they wanted initially. At the minimum, they need to make the offense work and and try to make try to make those possessions a little bit more of a fight and give them opportunities to make mistakes or someone takes a bad shot but they need to not allow the opponent's best player to get the shot that that player wants that would be one of the things to solve and again all of this comes comes back to pr- protecting against uh, dribble penetration especially down the middle of the paint John biggest positives thus far i think cam johnson has been uh, fantastic at times and certainly, I didn't think he'd be uh, the team leader. I, I didn't think he would be the best player on the floor for North Carolina this season. And he certainly looked at at least the first part of the season. Yeah, I agree. Cam Johnson has also very much impressed me. I think that goes back to the fact that Cam is really healthy for the first time that he's played in a North Carolina uniform. In the preseason, he talked a lot about how his – hips and his sort of his lower body last year didn't allow him to do the things he wanted to do especially defensively but also offensively so this season 
we've seen kind of a new Cam Johnson. And I think we need to uh, look to him to continue to uh, have bigger and bigger games when UNC needs him during ACC play. I'd also point to the point guard play has been a positive for me. I think that coming into the season, there were a lot of questions about uh, how Kobe White would fare or whether Seventh Woods was the guy at point guard. And they haven't played perfect every game, obviously, but I think all in all they've impressed. And especially with Kobe White, he scored so much in high school, and I think that he's really come to understand that, hey, this is a team where maybe I don't have to score every possession to, for this team to win. So I think that's something, a positive development for him. He sort of learned that through this early point in the season, and then he knows during conference play it's not on him to score the ball, but he can help set up his teammates and still take over when he senses that UNC maybe needs a boost offensively. Rob, that's a great point. And uh, even though the dogs are barking, John, when you talk, uh, I, I think that was a great point anyway. <laughs> um, reminds me of talking to Buck Sanders and his dogs get loose. But Kobe played differently against Davidson than he has all year, at least from my viewpoint. Um, is that a, a sort of a sign of things to come for White, Rob? I think, yes. I do think they've been talking to him about that. I mean, obviously, they have to get him under control. Um, the, the first thing to establish was that would he be able to score at the college level immediately? And I think he answered that question definitive, definitively out in Las Vegas. Uh, however, the of course, we, we talked about this in the preseason, too, as all of, in the scouting reports last year about the prob- likelihood that he would be a turnover machine to start, and he has been at times. I thought the Davidson game presented a, a clear focus by him to get his teammates involved, and he doesn't need to always be the alpha scorer. Uh, on the other hand, of course, they're going to want to balance. You know, he, he was too neglectful of his own offense, but that's that's something that he's continuing to tweak. I think the team still goes with him offensively, you know, goes as he goes, because he's the one player who's really spontaneous and creative, as good as Cam Johnson has been. I think Kobe White is going to be the critical bucket getter in the spring. Last question for each of you, John. Expectations uh, now that we're almost at ACC play. Of course, Harvard on the second, but then it's straight ACC uh, through the rest of the season. What are your expectations? Haven't seen um, what you've seen the first part of the season, and have they changed since the preseason? Yeah, I think that coming into the season, my expectations for this team were pretty high. I expected them to sort of compete and be right around the top of the ACC play and then um, sort of be right in the mix there as, in, as well in March. And I think that my expectations have decreased a little bit because I've seen them play against some of the more talented teams on their schedule, this tough non-conference schedule. And I've come away a little bit uh, less impressed with how they've played against that top, top competition. So expectations heading into the ACC play – I expect UNC to compete in every single game. I think they have a chance every time they step on the court to win because they have a lot of talent. But I think that you know, once you get into that march, it's going to be difficult unless this team continues to improve. It's going to be difficult for this team to get where they want to go. Hopefully, because you know some of that, some of those issues we've been talking about, the post issues, and also some of the issues on defense. I think there's still a lot that's left to be written there. Rob, I'll let you close the show with the same question. Preseason expectations versus expectations now for the remainder of the season. Mine are slightly down from where they were. I, I thought this could be a top five team and a, if not a title favorite, a front runner. I think now they're more in that secondary you know, legitimate contender, but would need some breaks because defensively the team is a little weaker than I thought they would be. 
offensively they've been about as good. And again, to the extent that they've had some down games, I think they'll solve all that stuff. Defensively, I think there are some more long-term question marks about them. That could certainly change. I mean, we have an entire conference season to play. And who knows how things will look by the end of January, for example. I do think Roy Williams understands, though, that this team has... I I think he thinks there are more question marks than he might have anticipated. And for that reason, for example, in the Gonzaga game, the the rotation was very tight. I think he's going to start cutting the bench here earlier than he normally does because he doesn't want them to fall into a situation where they you get off to a rough start in conference play and then they they aren't able to dig out from a relatively low seed good stuff rob good stuff john appreciate you guys taking time out on a sunday to join me love the commentary on the john wall love the commentary on the current team rob harrington john bowman thanks guys thank you thanks thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.